you know, if you look at what we're doing as a species, um, mm -hmm. we're like figuring out how to digitize our art. That's what humans are like doing right, right now. Is like right. we've spent like thousands of years making like <laughs> actual art, and then the yep. internet happened. We're all like, oh fuck. <laughs> Yeah, how do we yeah. do digital art and like how do we keep the business happening and how do we pay the people who make the art and like how do we get it to people and if you're not printing it and putting on a disc or a tape like after thousands of years of making IRL art mm -hmm. now we're making digital art and we're trying to mm -hmm. figure out how the can I swear is that a, yes yes yeah, you can okay. totally swear we're on the podcast yeah we're like trying <laughs> to figure out how the fuck to make right art digital and everybody's all these distribution platforms are solving it through the lens of the consumer and the listener right. and the viewer and the advertiser. Right. Nobody's really going, how do we solve the art on the web problem from the perspective of the creators? This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. Hello, hello. Welcome to the New Music Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, founder of Ari's Take, founder of the funk band Brass Roots District. I am at my home in Los Angeles. It's actually currently raining right now. Very apocalyptic rain. Very suited and fitting for what we are living through right now. Depending on when you're listening to this, this is, I believe it's day 19 of the lockdown, the shutdown of the coronavirus. Um, haven't really left my place very much the last, uh, uh, what, three weeks almost. And uh, it's pretty crazy. I've gone on a few runs, gone on a few walks. Tried to cut my sanity. Launched Uncancelled Music Festival. So uh, if you haven't heard about Uncancelled Music Festival, check it out. I mean, it's one of the biggest things I've ever done. And we put this together with a couple friends in like 10, 12 days. And we've already gotten written up by Billboard three times, Rolling Stone, Variety, all the stuff. Humble brag, humble brag, humble brag. It's pretty dope to be in Rolling Stone. I'm not going to lie. That was quite a fun day. Haven't been sleeping much. Um, that's because this music festival is kicking my ass, but it's great. In the first four days, we brought in over $50,000 for artists, music venues, and our charity partner, Music Cares, the organization that has set up an emergency financial assistance fund specifically for musicians who have been affected by the coronavirus crisis and had their gigs canceled. We also wanted to launch this music festival to help the music venues that we love uh, that had to shut down because all live shows got canceled, obviously. So that's what we're doing with Uncanceled. Um, we're not really sure how long we're going to keep it going, but we're going to keep it going, I think, the plan is right now, until the crisis subsides. So... Anyway, crazy times we're living through right now. I did this interview with Jack over Zoom. Uh, he was at his place in the Bay Area in San Francisco. I was at my place in L.A. It was nice to catch up with Jack. I've known him uh, actually almost since he launched Patreon. I tell the story about how I, I remember going over to his apartment when the Patreon offices were at his place. And that's kind of when we met. Um, 
You know, he is also the founder, co-founder, I should say, and keyboard player in the funk project Scary Pockets. It's like a musical funk collective. I love Scary Pockets. If you haven't checked them out, check them out. They do funk renditions of popular songs, and they always have different musicians and singers. And the only two permanent members are Jack on, on keys, Rhodes typically, and Ryan Lerman on guitar. And when they tour, Jack doesn't even tour with them. It's pretty cool. Um, and he's also the co-founder of Pomplamoose with his partner, Natalie Dawn. And we kind of dig into all of this stuff. It's uh, Jack is a really impressive, inspiring dude. He, you know, he's a musician. We're musicians. I'm a musician. But he's also a CEO. And he straddles the line between music and business, which we're all trying to do. And he does it insanely well. And he's extremely inspiring. I'm very excited for you to listen to this interview. Definitely, definitely one you're going to want to sit and listen to and tell your friends about. So, of course, um, please subscribe, follow, whatever app you're using to listen to this. Uh, review. If you haven't left a review on this and you're using Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. They really, really help. Um, follow us on Instagram, at Ari's Take, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Ari Herstand on Instagram and Twitter if you'd like my personal stuff. Head over to Ari'sTake.com and sign up for the email list. Of course, you can pick up my book, Second Edition, how to make it in the new music business anywhere where you get books i guess you can't really go to bookstores right now so order it from your local bookstore you can do that support your local bookstore or order from amazon that's cool too weird times we're living in but jack will brighten your day and lighten you up lift you up so let's kick to my interview with jack conti Welcome to the show, Jack Conti. First edition of the quarantine sessions of the New Music Business podcast. Um, I w- obviously was not planning to do uh, the, the quarantine sessions. I don't think any of us were planning any of this quarantine session work. But you have a beautiful location uh, where you're at. Uh, where, where are you right now? I'm in my home studio in my house, which is not a nice, not, not a bad place to be. <laughs> not bad at all. And you're in the Bay Area? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we're, we're cool. in the Bay. We've been here. I've lived in the Bay my whole life. Yeah. yeah. So I remember uh, I was up there. Gosh, it must have been like six. When did you? When did Patreon get started? What year 2013, was that? May 7th, we launched. And then when did you move the place out of your house? Uh, when did we move Patreon out of my house? Patreon out of your house, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, so that's a funny story. We, um, so we didn't have an office at first. So it was right. me working from my house and Sam working from his house for probably uh-huh. the first, let's see, May until like November, October, November. So maybe like four or five, six months, somewhere around there. And then yeah. we lived in a two bedroom apartment and the whole team would come over to that two bedroom apartment. We yeah. got up to 12 in that apartment and, uh. And then I was there, yeah. And then, yeah. You, and then you did. I remember because I was there uh, right before, like a month before you left that two bedroom apartment. You had this long table stretched out in the in the uh, like dining room where everybody yep. was working. I I was out with um, Tyler. Wanted to show me the roof, and so we had to go through your bedroom where you were interviewing somebody. I think you're. I don't know. You're interviewing somebody to come on the team. We're like, don't mind us, but the roof is this way, and so we had to walk through the room and mid. Mid meeting, we like just walk to your meeting. We climb out the window, climb up the fire escape, and then go onto the roof. I'm like, this is awesome, and then we yeah, can see the whole yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty startupy in the beginning. Yeah, yeah we yeah. were we were scrappy. I love it. So, what's so cool and interesting to me about you and and Jack 
you're one of the most inspiring people that I've ever come in contact with. And so it's like, it's, it's just an honor to have you here today. And like, just to hear from you because you're a musician and you kind of pivoted into CEO role. And it's, it's like similar, like I've been a singer songwriter musician for many years and similarly kind of, uh, shifting, uh, evolving also like straddling, I guess, because like what I love about you is that you've never lost yourself as a musician. You've continued the music through everything. And, you know, most people of course knew you as Pomplamoose and then doing your solo stuff. Um, the solo videos, which were spectacular. And now with scary pockets, which is something that is just completely taken on a life of its own. What, what made you, uh, um, continue the music through the Patreon, through like as Patreon's growth, because understanding Patreon is just like, it's it's probably you're taking three jobs in one and three full-time positions in one as yourself, if not 16, but then you're also an artist and a musician and you decided to keep the music going. What was that decision and how did you come to that and like, where are you at now with it? Yeah, there's, there's like three, there's probably three things there. So the okay. first is... Um, in my twenties, I was a full-time musician mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, uh, making it work too, like mm-hmm. figuring out ways to get paid and figuring right. out, you know, selling MP3s and Natalie and I, you know, we, we bought a house off of MP3 sales and built a recording right. studio. And, um, but in all through my twenties, I kind of swore to myself, I was like, I'm not going to be one of those people that's a musician in their 20s and then becomes a businessman in their 30s. <laughs> um, and and then oh boy. So so I guess part of it is that like I'm I'm staying true to that promise, right? Like mm-hmm. I think to 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 say that I'm just a business person now, like you know, actually like between Pomplamoose and Scary Pockets, those those efforts make more money than I make as a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. so yeah. so I still like, I, and and I feel a lot of, I think I feel a lot mm. of like pride around, um, you know, I feel like, gosh, we've we've like figured out some ways, we've like struggled through the through the ups and the downs of different platforms and Spotify and you know right. YouTube right. and ad revenue and oh my god, and somehow right. you right. know <laughs> we've just kind of we've kept trying to like adapt and and make it work and. And so, yeah, I guess I, I don't I still want to stay true to that promise. Like, I don't want to just be a business person in my 30s after being an artist in my 20s. I think that's right. that, there's like still a piece of me that's like, no fucking way. Like, I'm not yeah. going to let that happen to myself. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's that's number one. Maybe the second thing is like, God, so many I, I feel like um, I feel like these distribution platforms that exist today are so fucked <laughs> and um, so? uh they're not made for creative people they're made for advertisers or for listeners and it's not Wait, that define that's bad. what you mean distribution distribution platforms places you don't where mean artists... like distro kids cd baby tune no. distribution oh, no no no, okay. no 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 those those are made for artists i mean places right. where artists find a following ah right like facebook instagram youtube that that's what you're meaning yeah. Yes. Like absolutely. those those platforms where where you can literally distribute your work as a creator. Right. Like those are products that um, that advertisers use. Yes. At the end of the day, advertisers and listeners. Great and for creator- fans, challenging for creators. Yes. 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 And and um, pretty much like you know, if you look at what we're doing as a species, 
um, mm-hmm. we're like figuring out how to digitize our art. That's what humans are like doing right, right now. Is right. like we've spent like thousands of years making like <laughs> actual art, and then the yep. internet happened. We're all like, oh fuck. <laughs> Yeah, how do we yeah. do digital art and like how do we keep the business happening and how do we pay the people who make the art and like how do we get it to people and if you're not printing it and putting on a disc or a tape like after thousands of years of making IRL art mm-hmm. now we're making digital art and we're trying to figure mm-hmm. out how the can I swear is that a... yes yes you can okay. totally swear we're on the podcast yeah we're like trying <laughs> to figure out how the fuck to make right art digital and everybody's all these distribution platforms are solving it through the lens of the consumer and the listener right. and the viewer and the advertiser. Right. Nobody's really going, how do we solve the art on the web problem from the perspective of the creators, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to lose track of that lens as as a CEO. Like I'm in a very weird, like it is, I never predicted I would be running a tech company like so right. bizarre. <laughs> and like what a privilege that I'm a creator and I'm a creative person and I'm coming from that background and that perspective. I don't want to yeah. lose touch with where I came from and why we started this in the first place. And I think keeping my creativity up during that time is so important because Patreon exists for creators. So that's, that's the other big reason. Right. And I love that, you know, because that's what's so challenging for me when I I talk to a lot of startup founders uh, who run companies that are built for creatives or artists, musicians, and they don't, come from a creative background, but they come from a business background or a startup background, and they're like serial entrepreneurs or whatever, and they they don't have the empathy. The empathy is so crucial because they don't know what it's like to spend 50 hours making a song and then putting that song out and having only less than a thousand streams on Spotify, the number there, or like, you know, 631 views on YouTube. And then you feel defeated, even though you feel it's like a beautiful piece of art. And uh, they don't get that. That's like something that we struggled through and that we know about. And like to have that, you know, artist creator empathy going into it, like it's it's nice to see that you've maintained that. So I'm curious because I know how Patreon, um, the, the mission initially of why you started is because you were making videos on YouTube and you weren't making much from the ad revenue. You're saying this is not working. We're making millions of views on YouTube and we're just not, you know, it's just not, the revenue is not there. And so you're like, let's create a different, um, a different model uh, for the fan artist relationship. I'm curious to see, to hear from your perspective now that Patreon is seven years into it or so, um, how you've seen the artist fan relationship evolve uh, from the initial intention behind it and where you see it going from here. What a cool question. Yeah. I would say there's a yeah, there's a couple there's a couple trends that I think are are happening. The first is um it's getting more intimate. Like the artist okay. fan relationship is getting more intimate. If you go if you're looking at the 20 year trend, I would say that's mm. pretty clear. If you're looking just in the last 2 years, you can kind of miss it. But if you look at, you know, the big acts of 20 years ago, um you know, probably a big component of that was kind of the separation of the act from from the fan mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. the the mystery 
the right. like the mystique, the, yes. the mystique, the like yes. that was the selling point, the sexiness <laughs> of like the genius who lives on a cloud and barfs out art occasionally for us all to kind of enjoy once or twice right. a year. Right. Um, right. And like, who knows how they made it or what they used or like, and now we got freaking dead mouse doing live streams showing, you know, his outboard gear and, and like, you know, his mm-hmm. release time for sidechain compression. You're like, fuck, I yeah. can't believe right. I get to watch dead mouse <laughs> right. telling me about sidechain compression. <laughs> Like it's awesome, yeah. um, and and so I think that's the yeah the larger trend is like the the relationship is getting more intimate and more mm. close. Obviously, thanks to a lot of the connection tools of the internet, you know the the social platforms, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so one is is closeness. Um, maybe uh, two is like um, d- different than closeness is also community management. Um, okay. And and this is this is a skill set that not a lot of artists want to like build or do. A lot of artists right. are like, look, I want to make art. Like, I don't want to be a right. leader. I don't want to like right. run a community. And like, you know, they and and that's totally okay. Like, not everybody has to do that. But I will say, the way the web is set up right now, you know, with with these community driven platforms, engagement driven platforms, mm-hmm. um, the artists who lean into that and and who um, learn how to manage a community, those mm-hmm. artists, I, I think, uh, end up doing really well. And that changes the nature of the fan-creator relationship. Do you think that it's required now of artists to learn to be community leaders and managers of community? No. I, and the reason I say that is because when I, when I was trying to figure out how to do all this in the first place yeah. 15 years ago, I met so many people who are like, look, if you want to be an artist, you got to fill in the blank. And right. they're all fucking wrong. <laughs> like right. everybody <laughs> right, has their right, own right, opinion right. and there's a million yeah. ways to skin a cat and the yeah. web is ripe for innovation and do whatever mm-hmm. you want and anybody can find their own way. So like okay. I, there are artists who are still figuring out how to do it in new unique ways and still maintain the mystery and the mystique and and they're able to kind of not not do those extra things that they don't want to do. There's a boatload mm-hmm. of artists who who are doing that. So at the end of the day, it's just kind of what you want to do. Now, I think it's easier if you lean into the community stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's more likely that that you, like that can start to be a flywheel. And I think you can do it in your own way. And I think you know where a lot of artists get caught up is you know Amanda Palmer has been like the success story of so much of Kickstarter and now Patreon, and she's like held up and like. You know, people look at her and they're like, she literally gets naked at concerts and, not, and like figuratively is naked on the Internet. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I don't want to get naked in front of my audience on Twitter, on Instagram and at my shows. And it's like, but she's insanely successful um, with community engagement and leadership. But then you look at how I've been seeing it evolve, like, uh, you know, Wolfpack is a great example of how they've been able to engage their community in a way where Jack isn't Amanda Palmer, Jack, um, you know, and Jack Stratton, the leader of Wolfpack, he's not going up there, hey guys, how's it going? Hope your day is going well, you know, but he's done it in a way, it's like in this like nuanced, uh, geeky musician way, targeting geeky musicians, knowing, understanding like the audience, who they are, and what they, what gets them excited. And so it's like, I think, you know, we're starting to see artists uh, like 
look at what their strengths are and and kind of capitalize on those strengths to engage a community. But you do have to understand who you're targeting. You can't just be like, I'm going to try to target the entire world and carpet bomb the entire world. And hopefully some of those people will love me because like the artists that seem to do the best are the ones who confidently say who they're not and what they're not about because then the people who are into what they are doing are so much more loyal to that yeah that makes a ton of sense and and i agree i think um you know the the when pomplamoose came out and did our thing Mm -hmm. you know we got so much hate right because it was a Mm. real specific thing it was like soft vocals over these like crazy beats and like (laughs) loud distorted sounds and like yeah and a lot of people just were like, nope, not for me. Um, yep. But honestly, those – like the videos that were most hated were mm-hmm. also the ones – and when I say most hated, I mean the ratio of likes to dislikes was like 80-20. And like okay. usually when you upload a YouTube video, you know, the ratio of likes to dislikes is pretty high. But sometimes right. one of our videos would get a boatload of spread and mm-hmm. we'd see like it would get onto Reddit and it'd get a bunch of hate. Right. But then it would go viral and we we developed like for all of the hate we probably developed you know five times as much like fervor and love for mm. what we were doing mm. um and i think it was almost the kind of divisiveness of the videos mm. that that spawned that kind of intensity of like loyalty and excitement around it so cuz you have these people to battle the haters out there for you because they're like what you know we have to stand up for our our, our you know our favorite band here yeah. yeah there's like there's kind of like a it's like a oh who was it that was telling me there's a difference between a, a badge and a beacon Mm. And like, uh, and the idea was like a badge is like, um, like if you wear a Nike hat, like that's a badge. It like doesn't say too much about your identity. Mm. But if you're wearing a Wolfpack tee with their tour from 10 years ago or five years ago, that's a beacon. And that Ah. says who you are. It's Mm. a, it, it tells other people who you are and what you care about and what matters to you. That's like a beacon of identity. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was yeah that's sort of like a really special comparison I think because yeah uh, there's there's a lot about fandom I think that that spawns from identity right for the things that you love if if other people hate them and you love them that just says something about you so how do you um, w- like how have you seen Pomplamoose fans uh, showcase their love for the band at, and what are the beacons that they do because. Uh, you know, you've only done what one tour? How many tours have Pomplamoose done? Uh, um, yeah, Pomplamoose has probably done maybe like five to ten tours, something okay, like that. Okay. And then I'll um, and what was the last tour that you guys did? It's been it's been a minute. We did a tour um in uh in the fall of of 2019, so about okay, five months so, ago. Great. So. When you are out in the world and you're kind of meeting these people, uh, what are you noticing? And like that they are, how are they showcasing their love for Pomplamoose? And what what do you think that says about the community and about you guys? Yeah, can I do a can I do a screen share? Uh, please. Um, so, <laughs> That'd be awesome. So, because uh, this is the video is recording, right? Yes. Okay, great. So let me see if I can figure out how to do this. Here we go. Boom. Let's try that. Yeah. Do you cool. see? Do you see um, that like flash drive there? Yes. Pompomos. Yes. Yeah. So so that flash drive, a fan uploaded. One of our patrons uploaded that photo 
in our mm-hmm. Discord community recently. Okay. Actually, it was this morning at seven thirty-nine a.m. So Discord. Okay, so Discord is like um, Slack, but for teams. Uh, sorry, Slack, but for for communities. Oh, okay. Slack is like cool. for teams. Discord mm-hmm. is like chat and with channels and hangout sessions, but specifically for groups. If you're not hip to Discord, you gotta fucking check this out. It I'm gonna check it out. Discord, okay. Twenty five percent of of Patreon uh, creators um, use Discord. Wow. Have okay. installed our Discord plugin. It's like a very popular partnership and and plugin. Amazing. And um and yeah, so Discord is a community, and it's it's basically like a if Twitter is a public square, Discord's a living mm-hmm. room. Gated, oh, walled-off nice. community for patrons only. Love so it. one of our patrons posted this uh, this thumb drive, this flash drive mm-hmm. in our Discord community and said, who has one of these? Now, that is a freaking beacon because <laughs> that that is a flash drive from – it must be like – Eight or nine years ago, when Natalie and yeah. I put all of our music on a flash drive, all of our music at the time, and we sure. said we're selling these flash drives for twenty five bucks. You know, you can get a flash drive. We'll mail you one in the mail. We'll sign it. We like signed these flash drives, wow. and so this person put it in our Discord community, which means they're an OG fan, right? Like yeah. they're OG, and so they get like props from other people. They get props from <laughs> from Pomp News because we're like, oh right. shit, you're an OG fan. Like yeah. that's a beacon. Yep, yep, yep. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so, well, that's when did the Discord partnership and when did you start seeing that? Because that's an evolution of uh, how creators are engaging with their fans. But it, it sounds like it's even a way for the community to just engage with each other. So, it, so the burden, I don't want to call it a burden, but like the responsibility to keep the community engaged doesn't solely fall on the creator, which is, I think, something that holds up a lot of creators and artists is that like they feel like it's they do feel like it's a burden and it's such a responsibility um that's that's an interesting evolution uh yeah. what like when did that kind of start come to be and, and what else has kind of have you found that ways community are engaging each other okay we gotta talk about that i'm so glad you brought this up so so <laughs> uh, uh discord we we did a discord partnership maybe like four years ago three or four years ago okay. and yeah. um and so yeah so now you know, we have a pretty seamless integration. So when so when somebody becomes a patron, they get notified that they are, have access to the Discord server and they can just join the server and download the Discord app and then they're, boom, they're in. Um, and yeah, that was probably about three or four years ago. We've seen creators slowly, not so slowly, start to adopt it to the point where it's become very clear that it's like a, it's something that creators really, really love. And it's a place where they can have these patron-only communities that are really meaningful and impactful. Um, mm. And... I, you're absolutely right in terms of the dynamic of Discord. One thing that creators love about Discord is I think it shines a light on what is actually happening. Where it's yes, some fans want that one-to-one. Many fans want one-to-one react, you know, interaction with the creator. Sure. Like who doesn't? Like I, mm-hmm. I would love to meet some of my favorite artists, of course. Um, right. But even more than that, the like to meet like-minded people who are wearing the same beacons that you are. That's mm-hmm. like a real joy. To like meet yeah. other people and to get to hang out with them. Like we have Discord servers. We, there's this one crew called the Carlin Brothers. And their community is so tight 
that mm. over the course of 2018, that community it was only 800 people. They made 1.2 million posts in their Discord server. 800 people, 1.2 million <laughs> posts. They like got together and like bought the creator. Like, um, uh, sorry, they bought one of the community moderators, not the creator. They bought one of the community moderators, <laughs> Winter Boots. Another oh, wow. one of the community mods had a had a birthday, and so they got together and and bought him a camera lens because he had written about how his camera lens was broken or something. Wow. Um, they make a Discord yearbook every year they like take snippets of oh like my gosh. funny times that like <laughs> here's where we started using this meme and here's where this was born and here's where this emoji came from and like yeah. and they group it all and they create a yearbook every year like these Cute. are amazing communities and and you're absolutely right it's not like all this is generated by the creator it's generated sure. by the fans because the truth is fans love mm. they love rallying together around mm. the creator they don't have to mm. rally with the creator they love rallying sure. together around the creator. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with... BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue. Uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. So we've seen that, um, you know, through the years, like I used to be in the Dave Matthews band fan club, the warehouse back in high school. And, and you'd see like these fan communities pop up uh, through fan clubs that didn't need to involve the creator. I think, you know, and that, that's nice to see that it's still there is that uh, community bond that doesn't necessarily need to 
uh, interface directly one-on-one with the creator. Um, it, now, how is Discord different from just a private Facebook group? Because I've seen other people do private Facebook groups, which also works pretty well too. Yeah. It's just that it's it's less of a manual process, right? Discord is okay. – the way we've done the partnership is it's seamless. So, so cool. when somebody becomes a patron, they're notified that they have mm-hmm. – access to this server and then they're given mm-hmm. instructions so there's just a f- in product flow so they're taken mm-hmm. straight into the into the discord server and then if if they delete their pledge they're automatically taken out of the discord server oh nice oh right? that's super so it's helpful. like it's all automated so the creator doesn't have mm. to do any ongoing maintenance or work to kind of take people in and kick people out and like it just happens seamlessly Ooh, gonna, i gotta check this out we've been using private facebook groups for ours take academy and uh it is very manual <laughs> yeah no no, <laughs> very no. challenging discord yeah, literally cool. removes all of that labor wow yeah cool. amazing so um okay i mean I, I love that and that's that's super cute about the yearbooks um <laughs> so um what else like in in terms of um because the thing the pushback that i always get because i've been preaching patreon's gospel for years since i got on it right at the beginning and and just been seeing the growth and i i just love the philosophy behind it and everything that you're doing with it except the the thing that i continue to get pushback on is that you know the the it's too challenging to be that community leader and i don't know how to engage in, and and also but what point uh, do I have enough fans to even start a Patreon? Because it's like, you know, there's people who are out there saying, well, you know, I don't have a million views and subscribers on YouTube. So when, like, what's the threshold? Like, what are you seeing where it's time for an artist to jump in to Patreon and, and engage their community? Yeah, um, that's it. That's an amazing question. I And I think it's the, the answer is uh, is somewhat um, unexpected. Um, OK. We've we found that um, that actually audience size is not necessarily the best leading indicator of how well a creator is going to do on Patreon. Hmm. In other words, if you look at the creator's total number of subscribers or total number of Twitter followers, that's actually not one to one predictive of how they're going to do on the platform. Um, a better leading indicator. This is this is a more qualitative way of looking at it. We, we have okay. some quantitative indicators too, but a more qualitative way of looking at it is like, how much does this creator love their fans, and how much do their fans love them back? Mm. Like, if if there's no fans to love, then okay, then they're not they're, they're not going to do that well on Patreon. Sure. But even if it's just a you know a group of 600 people who watch your videos mm. every week, if those people mm. love your videos, if there's excitement and engagement, if let's say, you know, let's say um, one way of thinking about this is like when you do a call to action, right? Like if in mm-hmm. your video, if you say, hey, everybody, let's fill out this form together and then aggregate the data and like look at it together as a community or, hey, send me photos of your pets. I'm putting together a video of all my fans' pets or mm. send me, you know, um, send me your, your favorite songs. I'm going to do a mashup of as many of our fans' favorite songs as possible, right? If Like yeah. whatever the thing is you do with your community, if when you do a call to action like that, if a giant portion of your community it participates – that's mm. actually the best leading indicator of like how well you're going to do relative to your community size. 
Okay. So, um, and, and have you found that, cause I know initially when Patreon got started, it targeted, uh, YouTubers and that's where a lot of the engagement with communities were, were forming, uh, with creators. Uh, but how has that evolved outside of the platform? So where are you seeing these communities formed, uh, that then when they migrate over or to, to Patreon or they bring their biggest supporters to Patreon, uh, that they're super engaged. Where where are they coming from? It's now it's everywhere. So okay. I mean, you're right. It started mostly on YouTube, um, but I mean, yeah. Now YouTube is is uh, you know I guess one of it feels like hundreds of of communities. You know, there's podcasting, right. there's illustration, there's tabletop games, there's mm. um, uh, there's a bunch of like Instagram folks and, and different types of Instagram communities. Um, mm. There's uh, music. There's... Um, uh, well, let's talk about music because that's okay. where the majority of this audience is listening. And, and Great. most of the uh, my listeners are, are artists, artist managers. Um, and I, I think a lot of them are think, have been thinking about starting a Patreon, have a significant number of, of dedicated fans... They don't know how to get started or if it's time or why. So I, I get the if the community is super engaged, just get started. Um, but how are you seeing people in music uh, transition that? Because if they're used to putting out music on, on Spotify um, and maybe a video occasionally or something like that and people love them and love what they're doing um, – what – and I think the thing that is scares a lot of musicians is just like – They've, we've all run crowdfunding campaigns and, and they're very time consuming and like very challenging. It's like, man, if I had to do an ongoing Kickstarter for the rest of my life, I would probably, yeah, curl up <laughs> in a ball and cry forever. But like, so how do you see that transition? Because it, it's more of this like mental block. Yeah. And I, I just don't think people have that guidance or understanding of how to transition it and what to do. Yeah. So, so a couple things. I'll try and get through this quickly. There's a lot there. The first, yes. the first main thing is um, we we advise creators to do things that are scalable. So not okay. one-to-one things, but like one-to-many things. So okay. something that will take you a half hour once a month, whether you have 500 patrons or 5,000 patrons. So examples mm. of things that are scalable are like your your uh, live stream, your monthly live stream for 30 minutes mm-hmm. where you do a Q&A with your fans. Cool. Or, cool. or your, your um, behind-the-scenes video. Right. That's like whether you have 5,000 or, or 500,000 fans, it's going to take you the same amount of time. Not a handwritten lyric sheet that's signed. Oh, and my in the mail. God. Oh, my God. Okay. That, that's not <laughs> scalable. Right. Now, right. No. we have, so about two years ago, we acquired a merchandise company and we're building a merchandise solution on Patreon that is, we're making it scalable. So, okay. Cool. So, which I'm really excited about because a lot of creators want to do f- you know, physical goods and, and right. physical fulfillment, but they don't want to have to do all that work. So, we're basically yeah. taking that entire work stream off of creators' plates so that it doesn't mm-hmm. cost them any time whatsoever. This is something mm-hmm. that I guess is a little harder for for a, for a you know like Kickstarter type company to do um, because right. all the things are different. But like we know that like a lot of people love T-shirts, hoodies, tote bags, mugs, um, pins, and so we're just taking like all of that off of creators' plates so they can focus cool. on making their music. So that's nice. the second thing. Um, uh, the third thing is folks should know that like patrons and members are very understanding. What we've seen is sometimes a creator 
overcommits and they go out and they're like, fuck, this is it. This is my new life. This sucks. I hate this. <laughs> and we're like, no, this isn't your new life. Go to your fans and tell them you overcommitted and it's too much. And right. and then they go and they and they like apologize to their fans like, guys, I have to cut this and I have to cut it. And their fans are like, why are you apologizing? Like, right. <laughs> cut it. Like, we want you to make music. That's why we're fans. Like, go make right, music. Right. Stop spending all this time. And and creators yes. cut. Sorry, that's my Seinfeld version of, of right. fan. But um, you should make some music. Come on. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they, so they, yeah, they, they are very understanding. They want the creator to be successful and they want the creator to have time to make music. So, so sure. that's, that's the other like key thing is like memberships are fluid. They change over time. You're not making a promise that you have to keep for the rest of your life. Pomple News mm-hmm. changes our rewards, our, our tiers and benefits every six months. We change wow. them completely cool. um, yeah. to just kind of, you know, keep up with the times. And then the third, mm-hmm. the, the sort of fourth, the fourth thing I'll say is the stuff is actually like the stuff that is most meaningful Mm-hmm. It's actually really fun and doesn't take a lot of time at all. Like, I'll give you an example. This isn't even a Pomplamoose benefit. It's not even in our mm-hmm. tier. It's just something I did in our Discord the other day. I um, I, I put a link to a Spotify album that I really love called Pop Therapy by Video Age. It's this fucking amazing uh, duo, um, I think mm-hmm. from New Orleans or something. Amazing cool. songwriters. It's like like yeah. classic, like Paul Simon, Carol King, like amazing songwriters. Great nice. production. And I, I love this record. And I so I put a link to it in our Discord and I said, hey, everybody, for the next 32 minutes, which is the length of this album, we're going to listen to this record together. And I did an <laughs> at here. I did an ah. at here. So like everyone in the Discord was notified. And we just hung out and we synced up. I put out a, a link to a web countdown timer. So everybody saw cool. like three, two, one. And then we pressed play together. And then we just yeah. like sat there and listened to music and talked about, oh, I love this synth. Oh, listen to that. Like beat. I love how they build in this chorus here. Oh, I love that. People started uploading photos of like of uh, Pomplamoose videos that they loved. And then people started like uh, uh, asking me to upload um, like custom Pomplamoose emoji. And then they took them into Photoshop and they started making the background transparent. And then they'd send it back oh to me. God. And then I. It was like we had this amazing, <laughs> creative, fun time together for 30 minutes yeah. as a community. And it was so fun for me. And I think our fans absolutely loved it. And like wow. it was easy and fun. And it took 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if we have 5,000 people there or, or 500. Um, mm. So it's stuff like that that I think is really meaningful and impactful. And, and that's the stuff that um, – you know, people will remember for the rest of their lives and and are going to talk about to their friends. Is they're like, hey, you really should become a patron of Pomplamoose. Like, this is so crazy what they did. And they're like, whoa, wait, that's unlike anything I've ever done. That's so cool. And like, that is what, you know, because it's like, you think about the the interaction that you, an artist has with a fan at the merch table after the show in the club. And it's like to the artist, it's just like, well, it's just something that I did that, you know, I do after my shows, no big deal. But that little like 30 second, one minute interaction that fan remembers forever and they take with them and it's so impactful and meaningful. And you're kind of like bringing that experience online to this community and and what's cool is you're able to scale that but still be as impactful um and and yeah i mean that's that's fantastic that this is like the mechanism for yeah and like when you compare that to like running a kickstarter campaign like oh my god like i'm going online and chatting with fans for 30 minutes while listening to one of my favorite records like yeah are you kidding like any day (laughs) any day (laughs) any day oh my gosh right i mean we do that normally it's just like oh that now this is just a way to engage the community yeah that's really cool yeah yeah right so with i mean getting back to the like i I mean your ceo of patreon 
you're in Pomplamoose. Scary Pockets is a life of its own. Um, and so for people who don't know about Scary Pockets, um, they uh, Jack started uh, this this project. Uh, it's a it's a funk band that do funk covers of of popular songs uh, from all the decades and eras. Uh, with Ryan Lerman, who's a guitarist out of L.A. Jack lives in the Bay Area, San Francisco area, and uh, I think you come down what once a month and you bang out like four or five of these recordings and then you head back or, or something like that? Yeah, I fly down once a month on a Saturday uh-huh. and we okay. um, spend a day with the band in a in a studio, either Ryan's home studio or sometimes we rent a studio. And we do four, we, we arrange and record four funk covers in one day. Mm. And then okay. uh, we assemble them and, and do and, and release one a week. And you have different players and different singers, and that's what's so cool is the only staple members are you and Ryan in every video, and then you have different singers, different players for everything. And what's even cool is I, uh, the tours that are uh, happening. There are Scary Pockets tours now, which you don't go on. <laughs> no, One of the founding core members of the band is not on tour, and nobody cares. No offense, <laughs> but like nobody cares because it's like – Scary Pockets is so much bigger than just you or Ryan. It's not about the people. It's about the experience. So that's that. And that was the founding principle of Scary Pockets. Mm. It was like Ryan and I didn't want to. We don't think of Scary Pockets as a band. Right. Mm. Scary Pockets is it's like a I I mean, I don't know what it is. It's it's a music business. It is a music business. And and there are lots of different people. It's kind of Scary Pockets is like a. It's a vibe. It's a feeling. It's a type of sound. Like Scary okay. Pockets definitely has a sound to our to our records. Absolutely, yes. but it's always different people, and so we kind of guide that sound and kind of wrangle. And it's kind of Ryan's taste, and then you know, and 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 my and his sensibility for arrangement. Um, mm-hmm. That like that's some of that's some of it. But yeah, Scary Pockets is not like four members. I mean, we've done like I think 150 or 200 like collaborations uh, over wow. our first two and a half years as a band. So or do we just hit three years? Maybe three years. So yeah. so yeah, it's yeah. I I, I don't do the tours. Um, right. I mean, but it's it's not about me and it's not about Ryan. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about this. Yeah. It's about this group of people and this sound and this community that we've created. Um, and that's the way we want it. I mean, it's actually right. when when you just said that, my heart just leapt for joy <laughs> because that was the whole purpose is that we yeah. wanted to make something that was bigger than ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great. I, I caught the tour. I happened to be in New York when Scary Pockets was playing the Brooklyn Bowl uh, a few months ago. And so it was very cool to, to catch the tour. And it was, um, you know, pretty much all, except for Antoine and Swati, like mostly LA. Play, like I was friends with everybody in the band, which is cool. It's like everyone on stage was a friend of mine. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just like, this is a reunion right now in New York of all the people that, uh, you know, all the great musicians. Um, but so I'm curious just to get a little bit into the nitty gritty of Scary Pockets, how you do that when, uh, when you come down. So do you have the same players for that one day session or is like one like Rob Humphreys, the drummer, is coming in and he's doing one thing and then he dips and then Tamir, drummer, comes in and plays the next song and then you know Nick Campbell comes in on bass and then he dips. and Or how does that all work because it seems like just uh, a coordination nightmare. <laughs> I know, I know. It is, it is pretty crazy. So maybe the first thing is that Scary Pockets is not only a lot of musicians, it's a lot mm-hmm. of people now. Okay. Right? So the Scary Pockets team is 15 or 20 people. 
um, from mm. like content producers, admin, video editors, art directors, cool. sound engineers. Um, it's it's a it's a group of people, um, you know, that we that we work with to kind of mm. a- assemble it all. And and Ryan, you know, is is leads the whole thing, right? Like Ryan okay. manages the the team and the people and the pipeline and um, and on a day, on a on a traditional day, we'll usually have. Um, musicians, um, like the rhythm section will, will record for a whole day. Um, occasionally somebody can only make a half day and then we have to swap somebody out and, you know, for the second half of the day. But for the most part, people stay the whole day and then it's a different singer each time. And that's where it's hard to keep the trains running on time. So like each song, we have a new singer coming in so that we get variety in singers. Um, and occasionally block of time, it's 90 minutes to arrange and record from, from to arrange and record. We, we, we go in with nothing. We don't even know the key. Wow. Yeah. So you're like, okay, this is the song we're doing. So the singer maybe learns the learns the lyrics and the melody. But like you come in and then for 90 minutes, the band and the singer work it out. And then you're like, let's do a take. And then we do three takes and we pick the best one and we upload it. Wow. Yeah. And wow. <laughs> so so it is it's pretty wild. Now, we've gotten really quite good at that process after doing you know 300 or whatever many it is hundreds of 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 you know arrangements in that short time period so we're very decisive we're very fast we're not precious about stuff we just record Mm -hmm. i mean in some ways it's very old school it's very much like a like a 60s or 70s session just like set up some mics and let's do a take and okay let's pick (laughs) the best one and that's it um which is like very free because i'm a perfectionist so it's like a very freeing process for me i i love just letting go and just and what we found is you know we make a mistake and like the singer like forgets a lyric and laughs everybody writes comments about that moment they're like oh my god the singer just chuckled like that was magic yeah. like i, I you know because oh, people are dude, not the monica the monica martin uh version of uh the cult fix you that's it where she like that la- the little chuckle there it's like oh i, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember this i'm like oh my god right that was it because yeah. we're so used to hearing like manicured processed like Oof. just auto-tuned yeah. and not that that stuff is bad it's just that's the expectation and so when you see mm-hmm. real people in a room making real music together quickly mm-hmm. and like putting it up online it almost feels it's so it's pretty unexpected you know yeah um yeah so so yeah, so that that's the process and then, you know, after the mm. recording session, we there's, you know, engineers, sound engineers that are doing mixing. Caleb Parker is mm. just an amazing mixing engineer. Um and mm-hmm. then video people that are like assembling everything and and wow. making it work and then folks, you know, on the admin team that are uploading and making sure all the metadata is right and sending to DistroKid and so there's I mean it's a whole it's a whole process and I mean it's essentially like a media company at this point. Right. And you're kicking out uh, songs, what? How often? Every week? So Scary Pockets releases one a week, but we just started a new a new thing called Stories. Which Stories, right. The acoustic ones. It's yeah, the acoustic it's really cool. version of Scary Pockets. Same same right. idea. This is another it's another collective. It's just different people coming in doing different things. And and stories releases one a day. One a day. One a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That uh, man, I, I'm working with Justin Glasgow on my new record, and he's been sh- showing me a little bit of the stories because I know he's very involved in the stories creation and, yeah. and process of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it's cool. Um, wow. Okay. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's that's a process for sure. Yeah. Um. So, but when you started, uh, 
was it like Ryan doing the recording and mixing and like did you have a video person also or did from the get-go you had 15 people? No, when we started it was super we were getting 200 views or you know 18 right. views and uploading videos right. and <laughs> um and we couldn't afford anything. You know, we couldn't afford yeah. any yeah. we couldn't pay anybody. So so yeah, we I mean I remember what we did. I I Where's my camera? I set up my camera on a tripod right. at the back of the room. I'd be at the keyboard. I'd run up to the camera. I'd press record. Right. Like ha- I'd run back. Half the time, like I just didn't look at the frame. And so like somebody would be blocking somebody else or like in the yeah. wrong position. Yeah. Um, and then I did all, I did the first probably 25 or 50 mixes um, oh, wow. because we couldn't afford to pay anybody for them. And it wasn't until we started getting some Spotify plays and some – uh, some membership revenue and some ad revenue and and the kind of mm-hmm. uh, those mainstreams that we started to be able to you know afford to hire a team, um, but yeah mm-hmm. we did we did everything at the beginning we did yeah. the whole yeah. the uploading the the engineering the the mixing the video we did everything. Yeah, cool. Um, so where where is this all heading? Like for 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 Jack Conti, where is the the next? So scary pockets. You got stories. You have Patreon. You have Pomplamoose. What is next? I my, it, I feel like um, I I want I love making art. I can't not make music. I will. Mm. I, I I have tried to not make music. It doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so I I just know that I'm going to make music forever. Mm. Um, so more music is next. I just love it too much. Fantastic. Um, and then uh, this new, you know, over the last seven years and, and, and working with Patreon, you know, I want, um, I feel like there's, uh, we started this call, actually, maybe this is a good way to, good, good way to bring it all, all around. We started this call talking yeah. about these distribution platforms and kind of nobody's solving this from the point of view of a creator. And so next for me is, you know, what I want Patreon to become is mm. a lens that looks at the world through the eyes of a creator and finds problems, finds moments where creators are getting screwed, finds bad deals, finds bullshit, finds hmm. hard things. And then I want it to have product and engineering and marketing and, and you know, creator partnerships and teammates. And it's just a, a, a you know, full court press on those problems to just cool. obliterate them. You know, I, I, and, mm. and I want, yeah, I want Patreon to... To figure that stuff out and to build a, mm-hmm. a, a a more fair world for for creators, mm. um, so that's yeah that's next and and we're doing it. I mean we you know we announced yep. a couple of weeks ago, um, like when I when I in 2010 when I bought a house, um, the bank wouldn't give me a loan. They just wouldn't give me a loan because um, they didn't understand ha- how I make money as a, as a creator. And they said, send us your pay stubs. I didn't know what pay stubs were, so I sent them my iTunes reports. They were like, what the fuck are these? I was like, this is how I make money. And they were like, you're an idiot. This doesn't count. And I was like, fuck, I want a loan. Um, and like the point – I guess the point of that is create like financial institutions and, and institutions in general, the infrastructure of society isn't set up to interface with independently creative people. Um, right. And that sucks. So it, so we announced um, Patreon Capital uh, a couple of months ago, which is like a better way for creators to get a cash advance on their on their earnings. It's like Amazing. we like we know how much the creators 
like we know how much they're making every month. We have a lot of confidence mm-hmm. in the creator and how much they're making because we have seen you know two years of data and we know okay this creator is going to keep making money. So we just give them advance on their earnings. Um, Love it. And that program isn't scaled out yet, but that's that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm talking about when I'm saying like we want to cool. be a lens that sees the problems that creators have in the and world. And that's a big problem is is uh, cash on hand for for a lot of creators. That's amazing. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Well, Jack. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. Um, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Okay. I, I actually have talked about this a little bit, um, okay. I'll, but I'll be quick. I don't, I don't like that. Um, the, the, I would never say that I've made it. For me, mm-hmm. it is a present tense thing. You're making it. Um, and if you think it's past tense, then you're probably going to get screwed. <laughs> if you think you've made it, uh, mm-hmm. forget it. Um, mm-hmm. like you're making it and just because you're making it now doesn't mean you're going to be making it in two years because the internet's going to change. Spotify is going to change. There's going to be new systems. The internet might go away. Something else might replace it. Video goes away and it's something else automated playlist instrument who knows what the fuck is coming now right and like if you think you've made it um think again so so Mm. i would say i i like to think of it as like it is it is making it and it's it's enjoying the process of making it and figuring it out and finding the next thing and loving the fact Mm -hmm. that okay youtube just changed some shit what does that mean for me okay i gotta figure this out now and like being energized by that as opposed to like uh, being defeated by it because um, mm. I think yeah I think you know so much about being an artist in the modern times is about having that like innovative excited enthusiastic openness to the world and figuring out what's going to work and what's not and then just running full force into ideas and trying things and staying free and staying positive and uh, and that's that is it by itself is making it to me that's like making yep. it you're you're dealing yep. with the barrage of bullshit and and trying to figure it out so so yeah that that that's how i think of it it's not it's not past tense it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a forever present tense state love it jack conti thank you so much for being on the show it's been great awesome thanks ari episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. 